Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I would like to welcome you to Small Biz Chat Now, we have an amazing show for you. For more than 10 and a half years, I have been hosting Small Biz Chat. Now, you guys know that the whole reason why we started Small Biz Chat is to create a peer-to-peer opportunity for you to get business advice that you don't have to pay for, but that you definitely need. So listen, now I am so excited that we're going to be talking about the legal side of business with Miss Nina Kaufman Esquire, and she's really going to be talking to us about how to scale your business, but also how to make sure that you follow the legal guidelines so that you don't end up on the wrong side of the law or the IRS, because that's the other people. That's like the law, right? (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Nina, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time. She is a small business champion. She's an award-winning attorney, media resource, and the host of the Cash Out Big Podcast the founder of Believe Solo. She works with seasoned owners of knowledge-driven service firms who want outside support to own a business that doesn't own them. She helps her clients discover more fun, flexibility, and reward from running their companies. Nina Kaufman, welcome to Small Biz Chat Live. It is so great to see you and to be with you tonight. Oh, listen, you know, you're one of my faves. We have some legal issues we call Ms. Nina Kaufman. So, mm-hmm. listen, all right, so let's talk, like, what are the top legal business mistakes that folks make? Sure. So let me first put it in context, because usually small business owners go, oh, when they think about small business issues. And as a leader of a small business, you really have three things you're looking out for. You want to make sure that you're making money, you want to be saving time, and you want to avoid stupid and costly risky mistakes. So I'm here as part of sort of the risk management piece of all of that. So when small business owner, the things that I've seen over 20 years of working with small businesses, I see that in their effort to save money, they rush into things with out getting the right sounding board. And that can include, hello, copying contracts from the internet. How many have done that? Just to say, I remember dealing with a a client, she pulled off a a contract, and in the terms and conditions, it referred to her company as Yahoo, okay? Not for her. Another thing is hiring when you're desperate. That is the worst time to be hiring because you're usually going to make a bad decision with somebody who's not going to be a good fit and it costs you even more time and money. And the third thing is really rushing into business deals without getting a sounding board. So often business owners are like, ka-ching, I want to see the money, or I need the money now, that they're not looking at all of the issues and the what-ifs that could derail a deal or maybe make this particular transaction something that's not going to work out for them. I'm co-signing all of the things you're saying. So let's talk about contracts. Like, okay. you know, 
you always say that having good contracts is a, is a great way to stay profitable. Tell oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. First of all, it sets out your process, your, your procedure for how you and your client or your landlord or your business partner, how you're going to work together. And that's really important as a communication tool. So, uh, I, for example, I had a, a client who was working with a large company who shall remain nameless, but sometimes you use them to search on the internet. And one of the things that happens when you're working with a company is if they like you, they may ask you to do more. And you find, particularly for a lot of the creative and knowledge professionals I work with, that the scope increases. You need to, yes. Absolutely. You need to set good boundaries around that. So it helps to set the scope of work. It helps you find a way to say, oops, things have really changed since we first signed this and have a mechanism for making that change to say, well, let's stop and reevaluate because things do change. They don't always proceed on the same linear path that you expect. And the third and one of the most important pieces, if it's written well, it gives you an opportunity to say, whoa, talk to the hand. You haven't paid me in a really long time. I'm not performing more services or I'm done until I get paid. But when you're in a contract that doesn't let you do that, you run the risk of breaching. And that means you're spending a lot of time and maybe not getting paid. And that erodes your profit margin. I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, what are some of the things, the three foundational areas a solopreneur needs to consider if they want to, you know, start scaling their business. Sure. And this is something that we talk about in Beyond Solo all the time, that these the three areas that keep coming up over and over are, am I choosing the right clients? How do I assemble a good team? And how do I stop making my, my world crazy? It's that for so many solo business owners, their business is in their head. And if it's in your head, You can't train anyone else to do it. You can't delegate it. You can't really evaluate, hmm, is this the best way to do it? Which means you could be wasting a lot of time not focusing on the most profitable areas of time, as as David mentioned earlier. And so, as I say, those three looking really carefully at the clients, the team, and what I would call your playbook. Those are the three most important areas. All right. So then how do I go about choosing the right customers? Oh, well, leaving aside marketing 101, what you really want to have is a vision for your business financially. Like, what do you need to earn after expenses? A lot of business owners will say, well, I'm really passionate about helping people with the issue of, as as I've dealt with my my clients, I really want to help them achieve their fullest potential. Now, that's a beautiful thing. What does that mean? What are you uh, Yeah, hello. Right. And, ha- and who, who's potential? Potential for what? Right. And how much are you charging? So it's beautiful to want to be of service. I, I mean, again, it's all divine creation. I, I firmly believe is starting a business. But if you don't know what your target market can afford, if you don't know what you need to earn to be profitable. You've got a hobby. You don't have a business. And that's where if you look at the stats, particularly on solo and non-employer business, the average earnings are $47,000 a year. And that that's painful. 
Knowing painful. all of the time they put in. That is all painful. And unfortunately, that's 88% of women-owned businesses. It is. Not doing 100000 in revenue. And that hurts me to my Whole mm-hmm. part. I feel like I gotta get out here, write some more books or something. Exactly, and and that's where no, numbers can really be our friends. That's part of what we we talk about when when I've got my Beyond Solo coaching group. Is that when you know your numbers, it's a very objective way of being able to say, you know what. I just can't, as much as I would love to be a good gal, yeah. I just can't discount this fee because you know what? This is going to put me under. I yeah. just I just can't do it. I, I, and when you have that bright line test, it makes it so much easier to negotiate from a place of strength. Absolutely. So what about get, assembling a good team? So now we know what business we're in. We know who our paying customer is. How do I get the right team around me, especially if I can't really afford it? Right. So that that is a great question and one that does come up often. So what I would recommend to small business owners is that uh, I have what the sort of an acronym IDEAL, the ideal hiring process. And so again, number one, don't do this when you're desperate. <laughs> what you want to do is identify what are the areas where Either you're not strong, you know, you really suck at it, quite frankly. Can I say that on Facebook Live? Well, you I just did. Can. So, yeah, you're really not good at this. Again, that's very risky. If you're in the weeds of some aspect of your business, like bookkeeping, where you're not good at it, that is a huge risk. Also, look at what don't you like doing? Because if you don't like doing, you're really not going to give it 100%. And for most business owners, it's more of the the admin or some of the marketing stuff. They're just not as good at it as they could be. So it's identifying those areas, uh, determining what kind of skills you need to get that job done. So it, you know, it what what are the what's the the background? How how senior does somebody need to be? Mm-hmm. What are the expectations and the frequency for doing this? I mean, is this regular social media posting or is it a one-off, let's say, content creation? Mm-hmm. Um, e is for evaluating the commitment. Like, do you need someone in person or virtual? How much time? Um, and asking consistent questions. This is where business owners will often look at, uh, oh, I really like this person. I like the fact that she's wearing a leather jacket and I want her to be the one. Right. Yeah. But you don't always know unless you're asking consistent questions. And the the last piece, L, for, for figuring out that team, we just talked about numbers. It's metrics. How do you want your business to improve with numbers, whether it's time saved, money generated, as a result of bringing on this person? Because without that, it just becomes another expense item. So again, looking at all that, it doesn't always have to be a part-time person or even a full-time person. There are so many options now with Fiverr and Upwork and and virtual assistants where you can get the help that you need, even if you don't have the budget for a full-time person. All right. Well, listen, that was so helpful and so on point. I'm going to put a pin in it right there. We're going to go to commercial and we're going to come right back and we're going to talk more with Nina Kaufman Esquire and she's going to give us the lowdown on what we need to do to scale our business and protect ourselves legally. This is the Small Biz Chat, and we will be right back. Are you tired of struggling in your business, not taking a paycheck, dreading dealing with your business in the morning? Are you regretting even starting your business in the first place? Well, I know you're tired, and I also remember what that kind of tired is like. But the good news is, it's time to stop feeling that way. Stop! 
I'm Melinda Emerson, small biz lady, and my new book, Fix Your Business, is a 90-day turnaround plan to get back your life and reduce chaos in your business. I've been in business nearly 20 years, and let me teach you how to build a business that works for you. Grab a copy today. Welcome back to Small Biz Chat Live. I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady, and we are talking with Nina Kaufman, Esquire, and she's bringing down for us the things we really need to focus on to scale our business and do it in a way that is smart and legal. Now, Nina, we left off talking to you about assembling a good team. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about, you say that it's important to develop a playbook for how business runs. Why is that? Oh, absolutely. Because if you don't get it out of your head, nobody else can do anything then it means that you as the owner are the bottleneck. And that's one of the really great challenges, especially when you're hiring someone. Uh, I've had clients who who bring someone in, they say, they promised me they had the skill set. They said so on their resume. I hired them and now they stink. They're not doing what I want them to. Well, have you given them any training? Have you talked to them about your, your business culture? Have you talked about what you want to achieve? No, they're just supposed to know it. Now, employees are not mind readers, and virtual assistants are not mind readers. My husband is not my mind reader, though I very much expect him to be. And when that (laughs) happens, when we expect people to read our minds, it is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for wasting time, redoing work, again, opening yourself up to, to risks and wasted money. So that's where, again, what do you want to call it? A playbook, an operations manual, uh, documenting your systems are 17 ways to describe it. Short of it is open your cranium and get it out somehow on a page that somebody else can read it. It's going to save time. It's going to reduce the overwhelm for you once you figure out what the steps are. It's going to make it so much easier to hire and to delegate. And also, uh, something that's not often brought up, it's going to make it so much easier, God forbid anything happens to you, to help your loved ones close everything out. I had a situation where someone came to me and her father died at his desk of a heart attack, 62 years old. So young guy, I mean, now, you know, young guy. So young guy dies at his desk, no operations manual. The employees are uh, how am I going to get paid? The vendors want to know what's happening. The customers are freaking out because who's going to be doing their work and all because there wasn't any easy way for somebody else to step in and take things over. So what, so, and what happens with that business? It ends up closing because it's a fire sale. Nobody can figure out how to get it to work. So a playbook is also saying, Hey, this is the engine of how we earn money here. And if you ever want to sell a business, Mm -hmm. it it can actually increase the value of that business by up to 50%. Wow. Wow. That that is incredibly valuable. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the type of legal agreements that we need to have. So I'm hiring a freelancer contractor to do something for me. Do I need a legal agreement or can we just, you know, get them off a fiver and keep it moving? Like, what do I need to do if I'm going to bring somebody into my business to do, you know, sort of like work for hire kind of work for me? 
Yeah, so that's a really great question. And again, what, what, what you call the agreement, whether it's independent contract or freelancer, the name of the agreement doesn't matter. It's really more of a substance thing. So when you're hiring people off of Fiverr, uh, usually there there is an expectation that they know they're, they're, they're not in your business for a, a regular period of time. Very often, it's just a, one, a one-off piece of work. But you really do need to be careful about bring on people, if it's going to be more regular, that you're not getting close to an area where they could be considered a part-time employee. And that's where you want to screen for, do they have other clients they're working for? Uh, Are you paying another entity or is it an individual? Uh, What happens when the project is done? Uh, All of those things. I call it manage, management, you know, managing your roles, Money, who gets paid? Money generators, are you protecting your intellectual property, your confidential information, and then moving on? So if it's a longer project and you're not happy, what rights do each of you have to move on and and close things out easily? So those things are really, really important to have. The larger the the project, the more you really want to make sure that's protected. Okay. I think that's really, really important as well. And then the last thing I want to ask you about is if you want to take on investors, what do you need to make sure is in the contract? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I talk about this. Uh, I I wrote a book called The Entrepreneur's Prenup, How to Choose a Business Partner Who Won't Bleep You. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks at not just the things that go into a partnership agreement, but all of the communication and the goals and how do you navigate different issues, ethics, things like that, that people don't always think about when they're thinking about a business partner. It's usually, oh, I'm so excited. I found Prince or Princess Charming. Let's go into business together. You're so fabulous. Let's do this. So when you're looking at an investor, particularly a financial investor, and if you're dealing with a sophisticated angel or VC investor, that is not an area you want to mess with. Anyone who's going to be strictly a financial investor and not be part of the roll up the sleeves day to day, you're dealing with securities issues. So you want to be very, very clear that this is documented well. Uh, What is the degree of management control they'll take? You know, if you're a control freak, like David pointed out, (laughs) you really want to be very clear. Uh, I had a client who was desperate to bring new people in wasn't my issue, but he essentially gave away two thirds of his company. And guess what happened in less than a year? Boom. He's out. out. He's out. out. Of course. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. (laughs) So how much are you controlling? Uh, What percentage of profits are they entitled to? And you want good communication too. You want to know what are their expectations? Like what kind of return on investment are they expecting? Can you realistically deliver? Because you don't want to get in a bad situation with your investor. So those are communications issues as well as understanding the time frame for their exit and what that kind of exit looks like. Because all of those affect the, the, the kind of strategic planning you're going to do, the kind of profits that you need to see, the kind of services or products that you need to offer. It radically affects how you're going to be growing and running your business. And please, please, please have it in writing, reviewed by an attorney to go back to the beginning. Do not pull this off the internet and just use it. 
Right. Right. Well, listen, thank you so much. Thank you. That was so helpful about, you know, getting the right team together, making sure you got the right customers. And please, please, please use a lawyer. Do not pull contracts off the Internet. That's what the lady said. Nina, what's your favorite business app? I love Evernote because I can put in notes about everything, whether it's a password, whether it's a an idea for a, a book or articles or ways to get back to people. All of it can be contained and there's a search function as well. So super helpful. And you can bring people into it if you want to add it for a team. Nina, what's your favorite business book? Okay, well, I know what yours is, so I'll sort of save that one for you. <laughs> Rob is like, oh, come on, come on, we win the surprise. Uh, but my, <laughs> the email, no, um, I would say one of my favorites is actually called uh, The Highest Calling by Larry Janeski. It's an inspirational novel, but there's a, about a business owner, but there's so much great business wisdom. And also, as I said before, the understanding that when you are creating a business, you are you are truly being a creator. And uh, the spiritual and personal and emotional roller coaster that business owners go through as well. So that's where it's very affirming, but also really eye opening and some great business wisdom too. Yeah, I really like that book too. What is your favorite old school marketing tip? My favorite old school marketing tip is write thank you notes. Because nobody handwrites anymore. There used to be send out cards where you could pretend it's handwriting, or people write a quick email, like, hey, thanks, THX. There is something that stands out about a handwritten note that says, I really appreciated our time together. I appreciated your thoughtfulness and why, and actually signing your name to it, maybe because I'm a contracts gal, you're signing your name to that gratitude. Thank you guys so much. You know, the mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. And that is what we were doing tonight. I tell you, for me, I do this because I want you to win in business. And I want to leave you with this. Remember, you never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. This is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and we are out. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Belinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.